Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about the game? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It is going. It is a Monday evening, and this is the first time that we are, well, I don't know if it's the first time we've ever recorded on a Monday, but oh well. It feels like, it feels like we just did this. <laughs> I, it, it's almost like we did. Isn't that yeah. weird? Like, yeah. like it was like a couple of days ago, maybe, or something. I, I know. know. It's crazy. We it should just record crazy. every couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had kind of a novel evening, so I had to watch the movie right after work. Mm-hmm. So I went and I got takeout because I was like, I'm going to treat myself because I have to eat. Like, I have to watch this movie. I think I had 45 minutes from the time I got out of work. I, that was my window to start it to be done in time to record. Yeah. So I had to start it within 45 minutes of getting out of work. So I was like, I'm not going to futz around with dinner i'm just gonna get takeout and then i'm gonna eat the takeout while i watch the movie and i'm gonna allow myself a monday night cup of coffee and it's gonna be fun and so i did and but something happened like after i ate i was laying on my sofa and i was watching the movie and then all of a sudden i woke up and i was like oh no i fell asleep but (laughs) It's like so warm today and I had just eaten and I was so comfortable and it was like right after work, but I only actually slept for like six minutes. So I was able to rewind and catch up without with like barely any interruption. But um, anyway, so that it was just kind of a novel way to spend a Monday. I never, you know, usually my Mondays aren't quite so jam packed. So how's your evening been so far? Well, I watched the movie last night, so I didn't have to rush around, Um, and I immediately got off work, and I took a nap, so, (laughs) and I actually, the same thing kind of happened to me where I, like, set an alarm, and I was like, I'm going to get up at 7.10, that'll give me enough time to, like, eat and whatever, and, uh, and I ended up sleeping, I ended up sleeping through my three alarms and woke oh up gosh. at 725 instead, which was fine. It worked out, but it was yeah. like, I was like, Hey, maybe wake up when your alarms tell you to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, if I'm in the, like, if I'm in the sleep zone I, and I have to set an alarm for it, I usually, if I usually don't necessarily sleep through it, but I usually snooze a couple times, you know? Yeah, I didn't even remember touching my phone, so I just slept right through them. Oh, well. Oh, well. You know, it's summertime. It's, you know. (laughs) I have my AC on, so I was nice and cuddled up in blankets. Nice. Um, That is nice. Yeah, it was was just a nice relaxing. I needed, like, something to, like, um, you know, like needed more energy to do this because I was like if I have to do this like without a nap I'm gonna be like really low energy you know <laughs> like I still, right like I still kind of feel like I am like I can just tell that I'm like just moving a little bit slower you know what I mean but I'm a lot better than I would be if I had not taken a nap so yeah so well, it's a win-win really you know yeah yeah, yeah. I um 
I usually on after work, I'll come home and like take my walk or, and do my exercising and stuff. But sometimes when I get home, I think I'm just going to sit down on the couch and I'll like not necessarily sleep, but I'll sort of zone out for like 20 minutes before I start anything. So like between work and starting my evening, I usually have that like zone out space. So I think that's why I fell asleep during the movie because I, d- I didn't have that zone out space. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, I think it's, I call it like decompression time. Yeah. Um, just like the time between, you know, like you're like, hey, get off of work. And then like, I usually have homework, so I have to get into like, I have to get into like homework mood. I got the Olympics on in the background. Have you watched any Olympics? I have not. Oh, I man. The really the only time that I've watched Olympics is with you and the gymnasts. And then I got really into those though, because you were like, you were like so into it. And I was like, your like enthusiasm was like contagious. And I was like, this is really fun. <laughs> so yeah. But that I was like years Olympics. ago. That was like, what, like, like when Simone Biles won a bunch of 2016. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, is it 2016 or 2017? Well, the Olympics were put off by a year, so they should have oh, happened in 2020. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it was 2015. Yeah, I love the Olympics. I love them. I But I especially love gymnastics, but I'll watch pretty much anything uh, just casually, you know. But I, mm-hmm. I pay very close attention to the gymnastics because it's my favorite. The women's gymnastics, I kind of casually watch the men's, but... Um, anyway yeah yeah they're awesome i mean the, mm-hmm. what what they do is it's incredible for sure i know i know it's i mean imagine devoting your whole life to something and you know and then just getting to see that come to fruition because oh, yeah. i mean out of all the hundreds of girls or women i guess who were on track for the 2020 olympics as gymnasts because you know like if you plan to become an elite gymnast, you have a vision of the future and you're like, okay, I'm hopefully going to be peaking around 2020 and that's when I'm going to be trying to go to the Olympics. So all these women have this plan in their lives and only four of them get to be on the team. Yeah. So that's decades of work for the possibility of being one of four. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It's, and then uh, when you are on that team and you get, and you get a medal and do great I mean can you imagine (laughs) like what I don't know like where do you go from it reminds me of like I know the movie uh Tangled which I really like when she says like what what do I do when I like when my dream comes true and uh what's his name says well you find a new dream and I always like that part yeah he says you just find a new dream and I always thought that that was really nice sentiment but I don't know if it's that easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know I know um especially since her dream was so simple she's like I just want to get away from my abusive mother and (laughs) live a life that's my own um yeah anyway well yeah no it's 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 crazy they work really hard and you can tell you know oh sure yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Anyway, so we have a little mini topic today. We are going to talk about character tropes that, I don't know, that we like, we didn't like. What well, I don't know, it was just character trope. What, what was it? Like, was that we didn't like it or we liked it or whatever? Yeah, I think either or character tropes we like or don't like in movies. Okay. 
I think all mine are don't like, so. Yeah, I think <laughs> mine are as well. <laughs> all right. You want me to go first? You want you to sure, you go, go ahead. first? Okay. Um, so the grumpy slash bitchy slash bitter slash rude person whose family died in a tragic accident, but they're like just refusing to be like they're just like an asshole just to be like an asshole rather than like like trying to like reach out to people and like actually make a connection and I just can't like it doesn't to me it's like a really lazy way of of telling that someone's had trauma you know without like actually getting into like who they might be as a character although to be fair I have met someone like that in person and they were not a very nice person oh really yeah so they had like some sort of terrible past and they treated everyone badly yeah or treated me badly anyway she didn't like me i do like the ones where they start out bitter but then like someone opens up their heart and then they like start getting and i do kind of like that type of storyline but just like someone who's just repeatedly like just in the worst mood ever and refuses to like grow as a person i'm like okay <laughs> like we're done you know i mean i can imagine it's hard to lose your family but it's also fiction so maybe just try being more creative you know <laughs> like just saying like um anyway i think it's kind of a lazy means to an end as well like yeah if you set someone up to be a complete jerk then their redemption story is is like seems more intense than it actually is it's just like now i wrote him kind there's not like a journey necessarily because it's like look how terrible he was at the beginning of the movie and now look how great he is yeah so there's no like deep creativity needed to like show that growth or to show yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, I think it's kind of lazy to make it so extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, okay, all right, let's do something different. <laughs> so what's yours? What's your next one? Um, my first one is The Clumsy Girl, which oh. drives me <laughs> yes, batty. Yes, we talked about that before. And I, she it's... also had a love triangle with three uh, yeah. guys that are not teenagers. They like, that they're supposed to be teenagers, but they look like they're in their 20s. Yeah, that's an, that could be a part of it. But I just, I think the clumsy girl, because being clumsy in real life is actually, like, really embarrassing and not something that people should strive to be. But in right. movies, they make girls clumsy. Usually women. they Women and girls, they make clumsy. I, I'm sure there's some male clumsy characters, but they're way fewer, and I can't think of any of my head it's mostly females but yeah but female character like clumsy characters are used in a way that's supposed to be cute yep but male characters are used for comedic purposes so that there's like the whole like if you're doing it you're doing a clumsy woman because it's funny and that's one thing you know and I've seen that done well, but the, the whole like, oh, she's clumsy, so she's cute. I'm like, being clumsy is not a personality trait, <laughs> you know? Like- yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's just like the base form of like making your character quote unquote likable. But I like clumsy and ditzy are hand in hand with me. Like on The Office, there was a character named Aaron who came in in the later seasons and she was like 
she was as dumb as a box of rocks. And I just think like, how does she go from like day to day life without accidentally like committing suicide because she lit herself on fire, you know? And I think the clumsy girl is the same sort of trope where it's like supposed to be cute, but it's, it's kind of insulting because these people shouldn't, they wouldn't exist. Like the lemming award would take them out right way, right. way earlier than whenever this TV show or movie is taking place. But there's other ways to portray this person as an attractive character, I guess. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I totally agree. And it seems like it's exclusively for girls that are like teenagers. It's never adult women. It's just like younger. I've seen well, adult women actually, in no, movies. No, that's not true. Yeah. New girl. Because Jess is kind of like that new girl. She's a little Yeah, clumsy. there's a movie with Kristen Bell, and I can't remember the title. Uh, and she's very clumsy. So there's, I think it's a female thing more than an age thing. Yeah. Generally speaking, it's a romantic comedy uh, and I, I think that it's supposed to add to the comedic relief, but I don't really like, I don't think things that make a mess of everything are funny either. Cause that's kind of stressful to me. So me too. that's another <laughs> thing. Um, it's just the chaos. And so just that sort of chaotic personality type or the nature that they put into the tone that they put into the movies, I, I think is a pretty bad, lazy trope. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Amanda um, Bynes is a big candidate for stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do like Amanda Bynes movies, though. But you're right. I'm like, now that like, I'm thinking, I'm you like, know, you know, the, I'm like the, going through like her catalog in my mind and I'm like, yep, 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 yep. yep. The classic <laughs> scene, the classic scene where the female just like slips on the invisible puddle of grease for no reason. Yeah. You know, think, things like that. That really, that really bothers me. No, I, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> um, so mine is kind of a play. I, I mean, I guess it's, they're similar, but my other one is the girl only knowing how to fight because her brother's taught her. <laughs> That's really you know good. what I mean? Yes. Like, like, I how, love that. Like, how, how did so you learn good. how to fight? I had brothers growing up. Like <laughs> oh my she can't actively pursue like learning how to fight on her own. Like the only reason that she's able to fight is because she like was born with siblings that are like of the male variety. Like it's just also, like <laughs> yeah, I have brothers and I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty that I don't think I could hold up in a in an actual fight just because I had brothers. You know, yeah, like, I think that's like the dumbest, The only thing like, I know is that you shouldn't tuck your thumb in if you're gonna punch somebody you yeah. should keep your thumb out they did teach me that but I, I don't know how to fight otherwise like I could throw one punch that would probably hurt me more than the person <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's a really no. good trope good as in I'm glad you picked it I right? don't like it though I yeah. saw that and I was like that's a good one yeah it's but it's like it, it's just so stupid and they're always like really good fighters and I'm just like you just you can't use that excuse that's stupid that's a dumb reason to be able like, to fight like were your brothers in the secret service how did they yeah, know like, how to fight <laughs> I would just love like some girl to be like oh when I was like 10 I got really into boxing like uh or like something like that and then I've just been doing it ever since and they're like wow that's really cool so you actually like are a fighter and she's like yeah 
I actually want to see a movie of an origin story of these brothers who know how to fight. Because that's also kind of a weird trope that guys just know how to fight, apparently. Right. You know? Yeah, like, if it was done in a clever, funny way, then I would be totally down. Like, it would be if, kind if, of a fun, sarcastic yeah. movie to make. Like, just in case we have a sister. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're, they're like, Italian mobsters, I guess. I Italian know. mobsters. Um, yeah. <laughs> um just in case we have a sister, Tony, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> to tell you I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight, bro. You're only two years old, but you got to learn. <laughs> Put those fists up, bro. <laughs> um, all right. So what's your next one? Um, mine is the prissy new girlfriend. Uh, where, okay. Uh, whenever a romantic, whenever the male in a romantic movie Whenever he has a current girlfriend that he shouldn't be with or he and the main girl have a falling out and he gets like a new girlfriend, she's always like super prissy and humorless. And I think, but would you actually date someone like that? Because right. you're trying to illustrate that she's the complete opposite of the main girl and that she's totally not right for him. But you have to think, like, would his character actually go for that? Right, right. You know, and that, and that actually, I picked girlfriend, but you could say boyfriend for that, too. Like, that goes hand in hand. Like, the movie High Fidelity really bothers me because uh, John Cusack's girlfriend in the movie leaves him. And she dates this really weird, like, spiritualist guy. And I, Mike and I recently watched that. And I'd seen it before. It's been a long time. And I said to him when the movie was done, I was like, I understand that the story is about John Cusack's like girlfriend leaving and him having like a coming of age, but would she actually date that guy? Like he was very bizarre and and I, I just don't buy it. And this is actually something that I really, the office really did well because there's the love triangle between Pam and Jim and Karen Filippelli and Karen is awesome. Like, you want Jim and Pam to be together, but Karen is an awesome. Like, she's just as good as Pam. She's just not right for Jim. And right. that's so, they did such a good job with her. I'm continually impressed because I love Karen. And the only reason I don't want her to be with Jim is because I want Jim to be with Pam, not because Karen's a bad character. Right. And you actually feel bad for Karen because she unknowingly came into this situation where he was in love with someone else and she didn't know it and, and he was kind of lying to himself so you know it's just a really refreshing take on the love triangle but and unfortunately that's like the exception not the rule like right. the rule is that usually the character goes for somebody who's like totally obviously wrong for them and that's yeah. just not creative most of the time i guess i'm not saying like none of my statements are 100 percent like all the time this is but I just mean generally. It's, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, well, it's a trope. It's whenever people use that trope. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like if I dated someone who was like an avid outdoorsman. Nope. <laughs> like, I gotta tell you, that would likely not happen at all. They'd be like, oh, I love being outdoors. I'd be like, I have to go away from here. Like, I got bit by 20 mosquitoes when I walked down the path the other day and they are covered with my and on my body and I am not about that nature life. Okay, I like to stay inside where I have blankets and I have cold air and I have my TV and I don't have nature. Gross. <laughs> no, I was watching Bob's Burgers today and there is a uh, an episode where all these like food trucks start um, hanging out around the restaurant so they buy a food truck 
And Linda's like, oh my God, I love it. She's like, it's like going camping, but without all that awful nature. <laughs> and I'm like, hashtag same. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that's funny. It's uh, good. Okay. Um, so I found this one that uh, Ideal Duckling from Reddit wrote, and this was like a couple of years ago. But I just copied the entire text because it was perfect. So I'm just going to read it. Male love interest who is stone-faced yet gold-hearted, buff yet still pretty. And he doesn't tell female love interest crucial information because he has to protect her. The one who constantly infantilizes the girl and overrides her wishes, but is always painted in a perfect heroic light, even though he's actually an overbearing, controlling asshole. And I was like, that's pretty spot on and i could not say it better myself so i just copied the whole text so. yeah no that's that's pretty good like the quote-unquote literal perfect seeming person but right yeah right. yeah no and i don't like that either like it's like i'm like if someone is trying to kill this girl let's say for some reason because she like like let's say she like witnessed a crime okay and so she you know they want to kill her because they want to get rid of the witnesses and he's like no i have to protect you even though she doesn't like know that they're trying to kill her so you're not gonna tell her that she's being actively stalked and like you know like no i have to protect you because i would just live my life like normal because why would I know? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, tell me. Tell me that there yeah, didn't we see that trope? Me. Didn't so we I see can... that trope recently in a movie where they didn't tell the woman? What Probably. movie did we review where that happened? I feel like that was so we that has happened. Probably. You're gonna look at our past episode. Yeah. Oh, the bodyguard. That was in the bodyguard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Oh, my God. I was like, just tell Rachel that this guy is like, trying to kill her. He's like, an adult woman. She can, she probably could help you by being wise. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't think Kevin Costner really fit that, like, like, really fit that description, but it's, like, kind of at the same time he did. Although I still get, like, these... <laughs> these bursts of like anger where i'm like why did he sleep with her if he knew that it wasn't gonna work out oh <laughs> uh, anyway what did you have another one yes um this is a trope that i actually really like and brad pitt is guilty of it and i think less of a trope for him i think that it's his acting style okay but i still really like it when i see it in other characters and it's the person who eats all the time i knew you're gonna say that as soon as you said brad pitt i was like yeah i think it's his yeah. method i don't think it's necessarily a, i mean maybe it's still kind of a trope for him but it's i think it's sort of his like how he works but i just like it in movies i don't know i like i think they do that like the the guy who eats a lot i thought of it because i was thinking of the oceans movies and how yeah. <laughs> for an ensemble cast you need to have each character be somewhat memorable or like a couple of characters be memorable so that the viewer doesn't get confused about who's who and who's you know so he eats all the time in that one but i mean in all of his movies but i like that as a way to differentiate the characters in an ensemble cast i relate to that character because i also like to eat <laughs> yeah he actually i actually read something about that the other day with the oceans 11 is that um 
he talked to it was Soderbergh, right? That directed it. Yeah, he talked to him and he was like, dude, what if Rusty eats in every scene? And so Soderbergh was like, perfect. I love it. Let's do it. Like, we're going to green light this. And so that's why he's eating in every scene. I'm actually, it actually (laughs) fascinates me because everything I've heard from actors is that you never want to eat in a scene because you'll never want to eat that food again. But Brad Pitt does it so often that it's like, what foods, do you just not get sick of foods or how does that work for you? You know, but anyway, is one of those people like, cause I, I can't eat something like if I have something three times in a row after that, I'm done. And even three is sometimes cutting it. Like where I'm a little bit like, this is grossing me out. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I know they do have buckets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he could definitely be, you know, but anyway, I like that trope a lot. I, it always brings me joy. No matter, I mean, he does it best, I think, but no matter when I see it, I just, you know, I, okay. So I have a couple more ones, but I'm just going to do this last one. Um, Villains that kill their own henchmen for no reason. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's good like I when I read that I was like because I looked up some ideas online because I was like couldn't really think of anything um and then I saw that and I was like fuck that's such a good one it's like you you have to create a sort of system of trust or respect or whatever within your henchmen you know if you're the villain and because you want your henchmen to be loyal to you but if they're like being killed left and right just randomly what what about it them will you know why should they be loyal to you at that point if they're you know like they it's so it's it's just like a bad trope and it's also like why would you do that that guy, like bill that guy was family <laughs> man <laughs> like, he was probably highly trained and now you have to highly train another person exactly it's just like i don't get it i think that I think that's kind of like a way for them to show that his henchmen are henchmen because they're afraid of him. But there's only like a finite amount of people that you can get to work for you once the word gets around that you're, you know, you could just kill them at any second. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'd be like, no thanks. So are you ready to talk about the movie? Yes, I am. Okay. So as people can see, we're doing a David Fincher type marathon. A Fincher Fest. A uh, what? Fincher Fest. A Fincher Fest, or as I like to call it, I am the Fincherian candidate. Um, and <laughs> so, what did you think of the game? I enjoyed it. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. I was. I was not sure how you were gonna feel about this movie at all. I was thinking that you weren't gonna like it. Well, I lived to surprise you. No, I enjoyed yeah. it. I um. I thought in my head, I had thought that it was from the 80s, so I was pleasantly surprised that it was modern enough to not feel dated. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fast-paced. It had pretty good, really good quality of filmmaking, and there was some technology in it that made it not so unbearable, like there were cell phones and stuff. And, and um, something I really liked about it is that Michael Douglas 
was a very good communicator. Like when he was, when him and Christine, when they were in the hospital and the lights went off, he told her like right away that it was a game and it was this. And I was like, this is impressive because most movies beat her on the bush in a very frustrating way. But right. he was like very open with her about what was going on. And then he talked to his lawyer and he did all, like he was like so refreshingly like communicative i really enjoyed that because if that was me i would be doing the same thing i'd be like listen i signed up for this game this is what's happening and i don't know what to do about it but most movies i think they would be like i don't yeah i don't know what's happening uh mysterious dialogue that doesn't tell you anything you know and i just right. I liked that he he was so open about it that was I can't stress enough how much I liked that aspect of it because it was surprised. Like it surprised me. Right. I, I don't know if that's. I mean, that's so rare. <laughs> that's not even something that I caught on to. So that's interesting that you caught on to that because I like. I mean, this is my second time seeing this movie. Um, my first time was probably sometime during quarantine. I bet. Um, because I like went on this whole. Well, I, like I went on this whole Michael Douglas kick which I'm still kind of on. It's just that, like, you know, the availability of streaming Michael Douglas movies that are free are, you know, not always as many as you'd like. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and uh, and I watched this movie, and I didn't realize that it was, like, or I had, like, saw that it was by David Fincher or directed by him, and I was kind of like, oh, my God, I love David Fincher. I'm a huge fan. So, you know, that was a pretty easy choice. It was, like, two of my favorites. And, um, well... Yeah, I mean, I guess he's kind of good. He, I do really like Michael Douglas now, but this is definitely like a recent development as far as me liking him, you know? Yeah. I call him my movie dad. It's mm -hmm. pretty <laughs> messed up. So you like the movie? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's definitely like it keeps you interested the whole time. So you're like, what the fuck is happening? Um, it's very stressful. So like the whole movie, you're just like, cool. No, this is cool. Like when he ends up in, I'm assuming it was Mexico, um, because they're in California. That's what the shirt said at the end. Oh, right, right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, he ends up in Mexico in like a fucking like tomb, and I was like, and he had no money. And all I could think of is like, what do you even do? You know? And, um, but do you agree with my tagline of being at rich assholes pay to get PTSD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I didn't like the thing about the movie is most of the time I was not stressed out because I assumed it was all part of the game. Right. But I liked that I couldn't 100% bank on that. Like, right. like when him and the, him and Christine were going to the, the cabin, I was like, okay, is this movie going to piss me off because it's suddenly going to be like, this is real and he has to take down this company and, or is this going to be actually part of the game? And the whole time I was hoping that, it was all part of the game. Like everything, every new thing that would happen, everything that would go on with Christine, with anybody, with his brother, like when his brother came to his house and was like freaking out, I didn't fall for that for a second. Like I knew that was part of the game. I just, I did not fall for it. Um, but I liked that I, for most of the things besides his brother, I liked that I was like, I'm pretty sure this is part of the game, but I can't definitively 
say that. So I was like wondering what was going to happen the whole time. And it was really keeping me on the edge of my seat. And I liked that aspect of it because it's, it's mysterious within the realm of like real life almost where the things that were happening to him were like money problems and things, you know, and, and right. I liked that. And I thought it was interesting the weird the ways they'd like frame him and everything where from the outside looking in you'd be like no you're just like a rich guy who did something stupid and now you're trying to blame it on you know right. a company and i thought that that was interesting because nothing was i mean everything was extreme but nothing was so extreme where it wouldn't be believable to be like yeah i believe a rich guy got himself into that you know like x amount of trouble like i believe a rich guy had a woman in his hotel room with cocaine and Polaroids. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, none of that is out of the realm of possibility for somebody who just has boatloads of money. So it was it was very interesting in that regard. It's not like he woke up with, like, 16 dead prostitutes or something. You know, it was all, like, a believable, within the believable realm of, like, what his lifestyle may afford him, you know? Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um. I I liked it. I couldn't quite remember the storyline. Like I I couldn't quite remember what actually happened at the end, except for the only thing I did remember is that he shot his brother and his brother was still alive. So that was like the pretty much the only thing that I could remember from that movie. Um so like I knew that it was a game the entire time, but even I started questioning. I was like, "Wait, is it though you know like I was like I don't know um but I have to say that I liked that there's a lot of like I liked that or I like that Nicholas had this um this difficult like traumatic thing that he went through as a child like seeing his his dad commit suicide um and it obviously really affected him as an adult and like the whole like first scene with like the clown in the in the driveway it was just I'm I I don't know I there was something about there was something about his dad like having that be an aspect to his story that I was really on board with and I think it's because because I when I watched this the the movie the second time I don't necessarily think that Nicholas is a total asshole I think he no yeah yeah I don't I don't like I don't always agree with the way he does things but i don't think that he is like a complete jerk i think that he's maybe not super considerate uh but he I mean he clearly like cares about like his you know his um the woman that what is it the housekeeper or whatever you know Ilsa. ilsa yeah like one of the first things he does is he makes sure that she's safe and he's like stay inside you know i'm like whatever so i like that he he did that but it was interesting seeing it again from that perspective because it was like gone girl where like the first couple times i'd watched it i was like nick is such an asshole and then you know of course the, the character's name is nick in this too and then watching this one again in the game i was like well maybe he's not as much of an asshole as i remember um i think he's very closed off i think he's very emotionally closed off but i like that he i mean I really like that he still had a really good relationship with his ex-wife and she clearly really cared about him. So it's like, to me, like 
if the people in your life that were like part of your life still care about you, you can't be that bad. You know what I mean? It's like he even apologized to her like later. He's like, I'm so sorry. I know why you left me and I wasn't there for you. And I was like, okay. And so I didn't ever get the impression that Nicholas needed some like massive paradigm shift in order to become a better person. You know, like I didn't think that he needed this necessarily to become a better person. It was obviously just something like, um, I don't know, to do, I guess, when you have everything, like, what do you get the man that has everything as, as uh, Conrad says? So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to what you thought about that. I guess, um, I think on this podcast, we talk a lot, like, about the psychology of what makes a character a character and, like, things that happen in their childhood affects their adulthood. And it, usually in movies, we're kind of speculating. You know, mm-hmm. we don't actually have that evidence. We're just speculating but in this movie, I liked that the, like, causation was part of the plot. Like, he saw his dad commit suicide, and that pretty much messed him up for life. I assume oh, for sure. that it messed up his interpersonal relationships, because how do you get close to someone and love someone when somebody you love can just kill themselves, you know? Right, right. So I, I liked how that, like, they bridged that gap. And I liked that people cared about him, even though he didn't want to open up to them. Um, Like you said, like, he didn't really have a great relationship with his ex-wife in the beginning, but it was all on his end. Like, Mm -hmm. he was closed off, but she was still trying to make an effort to be civil to him and wish him a happy birthday. And she cared enough about his mental health to be like, this is your 48th birthday, and I know that your dad died when he was 48. And, you know, and he just kind of blew her off. And, like, his brother... He, he blew his brother off and everything but these people all care about him and I think that that that's interesting that I do think he needed a wake-up call to sort of let people in but I yeah. thought that this was like an extreme I think it's weird because <laughs> can you imagine asking somebody's acquaintances and friends and workmates to be like we're going to try to get him to kill himself the same way his father did. Like, that's really weird, I think. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. He did. He jumped off the building like his yeah. dad did. And he also, like, like, what's the difference between somebody who's suicidal but never does it and somebody who is literally suicidal? Because how do you come back from that? Like, he, he, right. actually, kill, he actually, in his head was killing himself he wasn't just like thinking about it he was falling off the building so i think that that was so extreme and i would have rather have because at the end the guy um the guy who played feinstein what's his name feingold feingold james reborn the guy who played jim feingold said you know i'm glad you jumped because if you hadn't jumped i would have had to throw you off the building and i thought like why didn't they just have him throw him off the building because Mike pointed out something interesting that they were very lucky he jumped off that part of the building. I was thinking that too. And so I thought that it was just it was just too extreme, but I did like I liked that he I guess in my head I would have liked maybe a less schlocky ending for him to like walk around and like hug people and for everyone to be in that room. I would have liked him to like not kill himself because that's so extreme but to wake up maybe he gets knocked out or maybe the guy throws him off the roof you know whatever but he wakes up 
and he sees that it was all fake and he still has his money and he still has his brother and and you know and and then he could sort of you could imply that he has become maybe a more appreciative person and he doesn't take things for granted anymore but i didn't really care for him like circling the room and like you could very visibly see that he's like i'm a changed man you know yeah i didn't mind that so much but i did mind the fact that he went through two um glass ceilings and was seemingly totally fine without a cut and i was like um okay but like you falling off a what 20 plus story building into two glass ceilings is gonna do some damage like if not broken bones there's gonna be internal bleeding you know it's like I it's like getting that, shot with a bulletproof vest like you still get injured yeah yeah, yeah. but like way more extreme because well, that's of serious business but i mean I like mean, you wouldn't come out of it unscathed is what i mean like you probably right. wouldn't die but you wouldn't come out unscathed maybe you know right like shit i've broken glass before and i've gotten like it was probably i don't know two centimeters long of like a piece of glass shard in my foot and i bled everywhere like it wasn't and that was just like i didn't go through glass ceilings you know what i well, mean they did I'm say it was break, like, it was breakaway glass so it oh wasn't oh okay, normal okay. glass but it, you know i mean it, it's still like the the force of the fall would hurt you you know oh yeah yeah i'm curious when conrad shows him how expensive it was i was like show us the receipt i yeah. wanted to know so bad because i was imagining I would imagine it's probably, if not a million, like at least a couple million. Like I would imagine it was a very, very expensive gift that Conrad gave him. But I, I, for some reason, like just got kind of got the impression that Conrad wasn't really rich, but he seemed to have a lot of money. So I don't know if it was like a, um, like if he, like it just, Conrad just kind of struck me as the type of guy that just kind of didn't work. You know what I mean? Like, they so seemed if, like mm-hmm. if it was like inheritance or something that he was living off of. Yeah, it seemed to me like they were like trust fund babies or inheritance, you know, that he was just like the classic uh thoughtless brother and fastidious brother, you know, where the thoughtless brother goes out and spends his money and enjoys his life, but the fastidious one straight laced the whole time and he enjoys his money but he doesn't really like live you know right, so right. that's what but i was they're thinking like own, they're both like psychologically damaged in their own way yeah because um, it didn't conrad was the one that was in the hotel room right having sex with the woman yeah and doing the cocaine right oh was he because the thing is i think so i think that they had like a throwaway line that he said where he was like um he said something about being in the hotel room with like um like a sex worker or something like that so i think that was him because remember like well none of the pictures had nicholas's full-on face in them of course people were looking at the photos they're like oh this does look like you so i was like it that is logic i guess that makes sense to me that that could be his brother you know even though like Nicholas had gray hair and Conrad had brown hair. So it wasn't like they looked totally alike, you know? That's the kind of attention to detail that is now annoying me because they look nothing alike. And I I know that it's a movie. I know it's a movie about brothers, but 
I'm not so stupid where I think like, yeah, Sean Penn looks does look a lot like Michael Douglas. So if it was supposed to be his brother, I just wish that they hadn't had those lines. You know, like yeah, yeah. Like they, if it just showed his like body, they could say, yeah, he is built a lot like you, which right, you know, which but, I could see. They are both about the same size. Yeah, same, yeah. But to say like their height. faces look alike, even though you want me to suspend disbelief, that's that's too ridiculous. Like <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with yeah. you. And I, I, but I couldn't really like i was as i was watching the movie i was trying to think of any other way that they could have done that without it being the brother and i was like i really don't think there's another way i think it was and i i think historically too because conrad has been like in and out of rehab hasn't he that's what they say yeah yeah so to me it would make sense that maybe there was a a relapse as far as you know doing cocaine goes or whatever um and that's when he was on the the hotel room well if he was even doing it like i assume that's all just part of the game like it's staged oh that's true that's true maybe yeah. they really had sex because they had the video obviously or or the tape the polaroids you know but i yeah. mean what actually happened you don't actually know you know i really like that it's about like a super wealthy guy and so his house was really cool and like yes. money was no issue which is kind of nice like i like to like suspend that concern when i'm watching a movie and just believe that his money is will get him anything mm -hmm. and he was also like you know <laughs> this is another thing that i noticed that i really liked was that he was very um like he was very of protective of his belongings like he wasn't careless with his briefcase because a lot of times in movies i'm like what you just left your brief you know like when the scene is happening it's like they forget they have a prop but he never forgot he had a prop until he left it in the elevator obviously but that made sense but like he was very right. protective of that and then like the book the to kill a mockingbird book he was always very protective of that and and i just i liked that because i feel like when i can tell that uh an actor is just using a prop or an actor is see acting like the prop is actually their belongings you can kind of tell and I yeah. liked that. And I know maybe that's a, I don't know a better way to describe that, but I noticed it a lot in this movie. And it was very interesting to me because it seems like they were actually his belongings. No, I noticed that too, because when they saw that guy collapse in the street, um, which that whole, her sticking her hand in his mouth thing was disgusting. Um, I get that she was trying to see if he was choking, but like Nicholas's reaction where he was like, oh, I was like, I had the same reaction. I was like, ew. And then I was like obsessing that her hands were like covered in this guy's spit. I was, for, like, I was thinking <laughs> I was, like, about that. Wash your hands. <laughs> like I was getting yeah. so grossed out. And I'm like, and she's like touching other stuff. And I was like, don't touch that. You've got spitty hands. Like, oh, it, it, really, yeah. bro it really bummed me out. But yeah. Like, so he saw the guy collapse and he dropped his suitcase and like ran towards him. And I was watching as they were like getting the guy into the ambulance. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, he better not forget his suitcase, but he had it in his hand. And I was like, thank you. Because yeah. it drives me like that. It drives me nuts when I notice that too, where like someone has like a backpack or a suitcase or something where they need to hold on to it. And then they just leave it there and it's never mentioned again. And I'm like, 
you don't have important things in that backpack. Like I would be devastated if I lost, left my shit somewhere, you know, I'd be like, that's all my credit cards. That's my fucking ID. Like that's all my shit. Now I have to cancel it all. And like, it's just a pain. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I totally noticed that as well because it, it I, I hate that trope of like, just forgetting your shit places. Yeah. It, it's like, ugh, no, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's hand in hand with that which this this is just making me think of it so i'm branching off this wasn't this didn't happen in the movie that i noticed but i get really annoyed when characters walk through a closed door and then you can see that they're like making no move to close the door or when they leave their home and they don't close the door yeah it's just such it. like yeah like the forgetfulness of that makes it seem like not real life so when a character or a movie pays attention to those little details i really appreciate it because it seems more like a full complete picture of real life instead of a movie set where you don't have to worry about somebody breaking into your home you know what i mean or stealing your briefcase or whatever there's something there's something that um i'm gonna actually branch off of too that reminds me of that it's like when people are on the phone with the other person and they're like okay meet me at five and it's like <laughs> then they just hang up and see so you're like where where do you, where do you want and there's an episode of broad city where um where alana calls abby and she's like mimi at the uh coffee shop you know at, at five o'clock and 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 hangs out the phone and, and abby's like never any details no i don't know which coffee <laughs> shop which coffee shop are you talking about like and it's just like and i and i like that they specifically called out that trope because it's such a bad trope i'm like you're just it's like you're expecting the person to know where you're talking about or when they don't say goodbye they're like they're like you know just hang up the phone and it's like uh, okay rude <laughs> bye <laughs> you know like you almost want to call them back and be like you didn't say goodbye and i need that <laughs> you know yes no i agree yeah so little things like that this this movie was really good with details um so i, I liked that and i enjoyed that he didn't immediately realize that the clown was the camera mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like do you think you would have thought that because i'm trying to decide like I'm obviously influenced by the movie, but if, I mean, I don't know if I would bring a clown or anything into my home, you know, that um, was left on the driveway. I think I would just leave it there or put it right on the curb with the garbage, you know? Right. I don't know. I think I would probably bring it in, but. But then when you uh, realized that there was a camera in the room you were in, would you think of the clown or would you be like, what is it? Where is it? No, I don't think so. I think oh. I would be like what he did where he's like looking at the TV. I think I'd be like, because where I would be focusing is on the TV. So my first thought was, okay, so this guy's talking to me through the TV. So it's got to be in the TV or something. Uh -huh. um, but so I thought it was kind of more logical that he didn't immediately, especially since it's, um, it's like a very abrupt thing that happens. So all of a sudden, you know, he's just watching TV and this dude's like, hey, I'm talking to you. And he's like, what? The TV is talking to me? And they're like <laughs> having a conversation. So I think that it makes sense to me that he would just not, he just wouldn't turn to the clown statue right away. Because I think he'd be so like jarred by this thing happening that he just, it wouldn't even yeah. occur to him. Because it wouldn't occur to me, you know? No. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I can't, I don't know if it would or not, but I liked 
I don't know. I thought it was clever. And I liked that the first couple times the newscaster mentioned him, he kind of didn't really notice because he was more like intent on looking at the clown. And, and, and I thought that that was interesting. And I liked how subtly the game started. And I liked at the end when you see all the people that came into in and out of his life mm-hmm. were part of the game. I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's it's just a it was a fun movie. It was I mean it was dark and serious, but it was also very fun because I think something that fascinated me was that the newscaster gave him a phone number to call, which I assume he could cancel the game at any time because the guy Feingold said you can cancel it whenever you want. You know, right? But he never called that number, so I feel like he was enjoying it enough. Like he was, he was intrigued enough to keep letting things happen to him, and that fascinated me. But he also fell for it, which fascinated me too. Like it was, I like that aspect of it. It's kind of mysterious to me. Like why didn't he call that number? Because I think, like, what do you get for the guy who has everything? Like, what else could thrill him except this thing that seems like you're living in in an, like a a thriller, like a movie, you know? Right. I I guess maybe my thought is that he either forgot about it or he like was too wrapped up and traumatized in what was happening to even think about like I mean cuz at one point he doesn't think it's like fake anymore. You know, he starts thinking that these people are um scamming him and that they're scamming him out of his money, you know. He's he's under the impression that he has absolutely no money left. Um, and you know, now he has this woman who he kind of trusted and, and like Christine who, did you recognize Christine? No, I was the whole time. I was like, has she been in anything? I don't know who she is. She played. Hold on. What happened? You little shit. Get out of here. Bear scratching my couch. Oh, I have a water gun. Wow, I sprayed at him. I have a couple of uh, scattered around my apartment. Um, she played Dahlia Gillespie in uh Silent Hill. Remember the little girl that disappeared that looked like whoa, really? Yeah, she was like the one with the scraggly hair and everything. And yeah, wait, did Silent Hill come out before this movie? Uh, I think it came out after. Yeah, oh, wait. I was thinking of the wrong person. Out. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She was the one with the little girl that got burned. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I also had, I wanted to tell you, but I didn't want to text it to you. But when they first introduce Anson and you don't see him right away, I immediately recognize that voice. I was like, hey, that's the guy from Eastern Promises. And then they showed him and I was like, wow (laughs) yeah i mean i sam knows but uh, i don't know if our viewers know that i have this like freakishly good ability of like being able to detect like see like no voices and uh it's something i've had my whole life and she's always like she's always like i've tried it and it's really hard and you're really good at it and i didn't even realize how good i was until she said that and i was like oh my god thank you (laughs) you are really good at it it's very impressive oh my god thank you um so um but 
I, uh, I, how did, so how did you feel about like Christine and the whole thing with that? I thought she was, I thought she was an interesting character because she fooled me for some of the time. Like I thought she was actually innocent. I thought they used her as a pawn. They paid her the money to spill the drinks on him, but I thought that was it. And then when he got to her apartment and he found out the the apartment was fake, then I was like, oh. And then when she was saying, we steal all your money, and when he gave his uh, bank account information over the phone and she, like, looked at him really, I thought, I had a brief thought where I was like, is she not, is she actually with this company? But I also thought, no, maybe not. You know, I believed it. I believed that, like, she was telling him the truth so she she tricked me but i also like couldn't decide if she was tricking or not you know it was kind of an interesting i'm probably saying this really confusingly but like i bought into the fact that she could have been revealing to him that this company that they that she worked for was corrupt and was stealing his money but i also didn't totally believe it because i thought she could just be part of the game you know at this point and then when she told him that the lawyer was in on it, I was like, oh man, this is intense. Who do I believe? Is the lawyer in on it or is the lawyer not in on it? And then when she drugged him, I was like, okay, so she's definitely in on it. Maybe the lawyer isn't, maybe he is. So I, I liked that. I, I, uh, I kind of liked that there was like the illusion of a love story at the end, but nothing like they didn't have like a gratuitous sex scene. They didn't, they just, you know, I, I, I liked that there was potential for them to possibly get to know each other better and maybe he could open up and fall in love with someone. But I liked that that was as far as it went. Like, I don't know how you could date someone who did that to you, but yeah, at the same I, time, I mean, he seemed totally cool with the fact that he literally committed suicide just like an hour before that. So who am I to judge what, you know, what kind of relationship he's looking for? Yeah, I I think it's funny actually that you um liked that part because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, Sam's gonna hate this. Oh, really? And I was wrong, and I didn't really like it. Maybe I'm focused. Maybe I'm too focused on the fact that I like that they didn't hook up or have like a cheesy kiss on the street, and I just like that like the door was open and we can imagine it. Maybe right. that's what I like about it because I would not have liked it if they had been like. If he had like, if they'd done like the slow lean in kiss or something, oh, yeah. no, that would have been. Or if they had like hooked up, and then it's like she's like a Bond girl almost, where she's like evil but not evil, but then she's not evil, you know. So I didn't yeah. mind because I liked on a very like uh, superficial level. I did like that he learned, you know. I didn't care how schlocky it was, but I liked that he learned, and he was like opening himself up to relationships so that i don't right. know yeah no i think that's interesting because i was like convinced that you were gonna hate that and <laughs> and i was wrong you know what and that's just like it just keeps happening like i'm i'm like because i wasn't sure that you were gonna like this movie like i was kind of convinced that you weren't going to but i just need to stop predicting because i'm always wrong like i'm always wrong and it's like yes. damn you know Ah, I did want to tell you something that Mike texted me. Um, he said uh, it should have ended with him jumping onto the exposed sidewalk 
and the dipshit say, I told you we needed more crash pads and the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, oh man. That's a pretty, I know. It like, was very, like, it was very lucky that he was like, I'm just going to jump into the, into this, you know, like, crash into this glass building. But, um, I mean, I can understand why. Like, he, here he is, like, on the, he's, like, on the edge of losing his mind. And I cannot imagine the psychological implications that are going to happen after this, you know? Um, he's, you know, and then he, he shoots his brother and thinks it's real. So then, of course, he just, like, is like, well, what's the point? I just killed my brother. And I can understand why that a man who is pushed to his point would just go, you know what? I, that's it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to live. Like, I just killed my brother. So I'm done, you know? And I, I can see exactly why he would try and commit suicide. But it's like... I wonder if the game, like, their end goal is to push someone so far to the point where they're about to kill themselves. Well, you know? I actually had a brief conversation with about that with Mike, too, and I wanted to tell you something that he said, because I said the same thing. I said how sadistic it was for people to want to push, like, their family or friend that far, and he he reminded me of this, so that's why I have to give him credit for it. He said... Uh, it's probably not like that for every customer because they have him fill out those intense forms and tests. So maybe most people would probably be more mundane, but from customer to customer, they probably, he said they probably aren't throwing everyone in a coffin in Mexico. It just comes down to your profile. So there's no way to know what they do to your friend. You know, they just, you fill out all those personality tests and stuff. And I, didn't even think about that when we were talking about it briefly. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. He spent like a whole day doing all these tests. So, yeah, he was in there for like four hours. I'm curious as to what my game would be like. You know, like, I don't want to live it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, <laughs> like coming into my apartment and moving my furniture around without <laughs> me knowing. Like, when I was a kid, I used to have like little tchotchkes lined up on my dresser in just such a way. And my brother Kyle would just like move one and I would walk into my room and I would know immediately that it was moved and I would get so angry and I'd move it back. And so sometimes he'd just like move things around in my room and just like totally, I would blow a gasket, you know? So I feel like I'm better now, except for the fact that like, I do still get kind of like, paranoid about things being in the place that they should be in but (laughs) but not like I did when I was a kid but yeah no I mean like my game would probably be like yeah this girl is just just move that figurine over there and she'll probably jump off the balcony (laughs) that's extreme but I don't know what do you think your game would be no, I, hold on. I have, I have a, I have something to tell you that reminds me of that there's an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine where they move the platform that Holt, uh, the captain, talks at, like over by, like a half of an inch, <laughs> and he walks in and he stands at it and he's just really quiet for a second and then he starts laughing and he's like, "I see what you did. I see what you did." Because he's also the same way where he's like. He's like, this item on my desk has to be an exact 45 degree angle. <laughs> He's like, or else it doesn't work. Um, 
But my game, I, I think, I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I have no idea. I mean, if they, if the goal was to uh, like lead me to suicide, it'd be for all my friends to turn on me and my family. Like, there yeah. you go. I can also but I don't think want of that. That sounds terribly psychologically damaging, you know? I can also think of one where like, which I think you and I have this in common, like I've tried to call my parents for six hours and they're not answering their phone. And so yes. I immediately think like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's wrong? Just one, one thing, just tell them, just one word, like just something. So I know yep. that you're still alive on this planet. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yep, that happened so, to me the other day, and I called my mom's friend, and I was flipping out, and I was yeah. crying, and her mom's friend is like, I'm sorry, honey, I'm in Colorado, and I was like, I'll just leave work early to see if they're still alive. Yeah, so. That, they called me, and they were like, they were like, is everything okay? And I'm like, I'm, is everything okay for me? Is everything okay for you? <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm fine. And I was like <laughs> sobbing on the phone. I'm like, no, I'm just happy you're okay. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, if you were so worried about us, why didn't you come and see us? And I was like, I was literally about to leave work, you assholes. <laughs> I've done, I've thought stuff like that before. I've been like, yeah, if I could just, I'll just leave work and they'll come back to work. Like, I'll just see if they're okay, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, so little things like that would, but, would be, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's, yeah. Like little things like my cat going missing, you know? That would oh yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would be, I really don't, I don't think I'd want to play that game. Um, I get like, I get anxiety and stress dreams a lot just from living life. <laughs> so I think that would be like 10 yeah. times worse. Um, oh my gosh. If we're going off of stress dreams, my game would just be, I get a letter in the mail that says I never actually graduated high school and I have to go back to it. Oh, That's God. common stress oh. dream. Oh my gosh. The, the sky's the limit if the game can be based on your stress dreams because it would be like, A, you have to go to the bathroom in front of somebody because there's no stall door. Yes. B, you never took the final exams in 10th grade, so you have to go back and take 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, even though you graduated college. C, uh, you're in a new place and you don't know how to get from point A to point B and you keep yep. getting lost <laughs> yep, or D yep. which would happen like your dog is really sick or someone's trying to hurt your dog or another animal is chasing your dog it, you know <laughs> like that, if, the, if the game was based on stress dreams they would have like a whole arsenal of things to use against me <laughs> mine are usually um my, I get a lot of school-based ones, but I'm also in school, so it makes sense. But they're always, like, in-person dreams, and I'm, like, an online school. So it's funny because, like, I'll go to class, and then they're like, you haven't been here all semester. Yes. And it's the final. I and have like, that, too. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was my first day. And they're like, yes. no, bitch, sit down and take your final, asshole. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. This and it's like statistics, which I'm already really bad at. So I'm like dying and crying and like shitting my pants as I'm like sitting there, just like having a total meltdown. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I had that same, like gross yeah. meltdown. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, no, I definitely think that uh, they could. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that they could do to uh, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, one uh, one other thing that I noticed, and I maybe I forgive, maybe I don't. But when we talk, when we were watching the movie Rebecca, I got really annoyed because they used the song White Rabbit, mm-hmm. which is such a cliche song. Like, is that the only song about like tripping on like reality not being reality that we can think of? There's a whole decade of rock and roll from the '60s where the songs are about that. So can Even we pick '70s too? You got well, two yeah, decades just used, to work from. I'm like... just using like I mean, can we pick? another song please the only thing the only credit i can give is that this movie at least started in like the middle of the song instead of like the one pill makes you murmur you know they didn't play that Uh, they played it in the middle of the song but it still really irks me because there's so many other songs to pick like i believe in the movie rebecca review in the review for rebecca i said if I was a ninth grader and I was making a movie and I wanted it to be trippy, that's the song I would use. And I stand by that. That's my review of movies that use that song in a scene. And, and it just seems so lazy because there's just a, a world full of music, you know? I would normally agree with you, but I have to say that they did it in Sucker Punch and I really liked what they did in Sucker Punch. I thought that it fit well. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Um, and I just, I just think the song is so lazy. Like it's so obvious. Yeah, no, I know it, it's, I know it, it's like, there's a million. It, I've talked about this before, but inappropriate music in a movie drives me up the fucking wall because, and while that might not be inappropriate necessarily for that. Right. Film, it's, yeah. I don't think it's inappropriate. But, but it's still like it's still it's still like there is something to be said about maybe you know like you have let's say you're you're the music editor whatever music chooser i don't know what they're fucking called whatever for this film and you have millions of songs to work from let's say you for some reason have like access to millions of these songs that you can use and that's i agree with you it's just it's like it's like um like typing in like drugs music about drugs the first song i think of is cocaine by eric clapton (laughs) cocaine yeah or they could use like i don't i don't i don't know i don't have any like songs on the top of my head train high cocaine casey jones you better watch your speed <laughs> you know that's another one about cocaine by the grateful dead so yeah so there's there so many other songs that you can choose and i didn't mean to like i mean if you like it in sucker punch that's cool i didn't mean to like insult i know liking it in sucker punch i just i don't i'm not offended by it. i don't it really care. annoys I like me it's your opinion i don't i'm not offended by your opinion <laughs> i just think there's like so many other songs that you could use and so it bothers me when that is the one drug song or trippy song that movies pick and anyway pill makes you larger um yeah no i get it i get it um i'm just i'm just gonna say this i keep like randomly thinking about the thing that you said in sleepless in seattle where she's singing and she's like horses 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 <laughs> 
I think that about too because she's like, jing a ling a ling. Horses, horses, horses. What is wrong with her? <laughs> um, I, I did forget that I, I had one thing to say that I liked in the game that when they had different like people come into wherever that like different like like if they had a van that was for like electricity the like the um the letters were always crs yeah you know I, mean? I thought that was i thought I that, thought that, that was, was clever is what yes. you're gonna say because i thought that was clever too i liked that yeah like and he got in the taxi service and the taxi was whatever crs stood for for like transportation you know and mm. that's when he realized that it wasn't like on the up and up it was it was through crs i thought that was really clever yeah yeah i like i recognize the like the taxi driver i was like is that tommy flanagan but they didn't like show his face enough and then they show him later and i was yeah he's he has a very distinct he has a very distinct look yeah he um apparently he those scars that he got were from when he got into like a fight outside of a bar and these guys gave him a glasgow smile <gasps> really yeah yikes yeah i was Jeez. like because he's got those very distinctive scars you know yeah um, that's <laughs> an first, intense fight yeah well one of my first thoughts was like they could have at least made them even like <laughs> you know like if you're gonna scar my face at least make it even come on um be careful no. what you wish for <laughs> yeah no seriously no no i'm like knock on wood or where's the closest thing of wood okay there we go that's like i'm not a very superstitious person but i am superstitious about the knock on wood thing like oh. i'm always like I, if i say something i'm like knock on wood and if i don't have wood i use my head because i figure if it's organic it's fine <laughs> yeah I yeah see. like if i'm in the car it's like all plastic and yeah you know, just be like knock on wood You'll have to get a station wagon wood paneling just for that. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. A woody. A woody. An old woody. <laughs> I also knew that the offices were going to be gone. Uh-huh. Like, because, because, and I think that that's a trope that bothers me because they were setting up a new office when he arrived i knew immediately that the office wasn't going to be there because that's so obvious it would have been better if it was just like a quiet well-maintained orderly office that looks like it'd been there forever that would have actually surprised me more if it wasn't there but because he was like it's a new office we're just moving in i was like oh my gosh this is not my first rodeo i know that that's going to be gone when he tries to take someone back there you know yeah yeah well and it always makes the person look like they're making stuff up even if they're not yeah um well and then and then fine gold said that they move from like from floor to floor and i'm like and my one of my first thoughts was like so they just have this like empty space that they're leaving like for them to just consistently move like what do they move like every month or something you know and it's like and it makes me wonder too with how um how involved this game is if they have one client at a time that they work on or if they work on multiple ones at a time because i mean it's for clients that are very rich. So you're not going to cut, it's not going to be like the average Joe walking off the street. You know, you're going to find someone who you really have to take your time and focus on them. So I was a little curious about that. If maybe, you know, they take one at a a time or whatever. I thought they did one at a time specifically because at the end, Christine said, we're starting a new client in Australia Uh, next week. 
So that's the really the only clue we get, and that just led me to believe that it was one at a time, especially if it seemed like they were all going to Australia, maybe, because mm-hmm. she yeah. said we. But yeah, I, I assume since, like you said, it's like the richest of the rich that it probably is one at a time. Because how can you put that many resources together for multiple people, especially if yeah. you change floors? Like you have to keep track of how many floors that you can't be on at a given time, you know? So yeah, it's yeah, I, I would think it's it's very difficult. And I mean, you're kind of assuming that they're watching like they're tracking him like physically, you know, um, so I don't know. That's an interesting idea or interesting thought or whatever. Um, it is sad that he had to sell his watch though. That was yeah. his dad's watch. <laughs> That's well, did he really though? Or I mean, I guess probably that guy wasn't involved in it. The immigration guy or whatever, the passport yeah. guy, but that made me so mad because that watch was probably worth like $25,000. And the guy said, what's well, probably worth a couple hundred, you know? So I was like, yeah, not no, only did he have to sell this, like- this keepsake, he had to sell a watch that probably is worth thousands and thousands of dollars you know i wouldn't be surprised if that watch was worth tens of thousands of dollars you know i wouldn't be surprised if that was like what i make every year you know what i mean like that yeah yeah and that's just like oh no (laughs) but then again if uh i mean he's so wealthy and it's all part of the game he could probably buy the watch back i guess but yeah that's true Um, i don't know (laughs) i mean it's obviously like you know, you're right. He probably could, but would he want to, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm just, I'm wondering like, so he was just pushed to that point, you know? Well, yeah, he needed money. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I thought that, I still think it's really weird and sadistic that they wanted him to kill himself in the same way that his dad did. Like, I'm not sure what lesson that was supposed to teach him. Cause I understand the lesson of the movie. I understand that, you know, his brother was like you were becoming such an asshole we had to teach you a lesson so i i get that but i don't really get what committing suicide by jumping off of a building was supposed to do because and mike even said this too that he bounced back very fast and i thought the same thing like i I would be i would be a mess like if i if that exact same thing happened to me when they were waking me up on that like puffy thing i would be so out of my mind i wouldn't like you wouldn't know what was going on and then when you saw your brother who you killed walking towards you and you realize that there was this party and all these people are all dressed up and you've just survived committing suicide it would be like i would need lots and lots of time and i would probably be like not very fun to be around you know what i mean like probably puking i don't know you know like well like okay and the thing is that bothers me that that conrad said is that what you were saying that he was like oh you're turning into such an asshole and i'm like when yeah but that's what? another like, like he really wasn't in fact conrad i would say was way more of an asshole than he was he seemed like he like yeah like conrad seemed like he was the dick he seemed like um, kind of a rake yeah yeah i mean i'm not saying like I think that Nicholas was certainly cold to people, but I just don't think that he was really an asshole. I think that he was just very closed off, you know? He didn't, like, he didn't seem to me like somebody who was, like, 
felt super rich so he could do whatever he wanted. He didn't treat yeah. people badly. He just didn't really treat people. You know, he was he was very isolated and cold like you like you said. Yeah. But he wasn't like he wasn't like Ebenezer Scrooge or you know what I mean? Where, no, he wasn't like a dick about him yeah. being closed off. Like he was just like and, he was clearly someone who was struggling emotionally in his life and he wasn't he didn't know how to deal with it is what i gathered from it yeah and i feel like allegorically maybe this movie i don't know anything about the game if it was a book or anything but i feel like it's like a a retelling of it's a wonderful life you know to me but at the same at, at the same point like he also like george bailey was like suicidal and so that's why Clarence intervened. But um, Nick wasn't really suicidal. He just was just alone, you know? So it's right. not quite that extreme. I mean, he was at the end suicidal, but I mean, like, I didn't see anything needing an intervention except for the fact that he just didn't have, like, close relationships with people. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't know. So... I'm reading right now the casting. Originally, when they were talking to uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, really? Fonda. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And um, and then it looked like they were going to. It, hold on, they were talking about Jodie Foster starring in the in the film, but. Um, Fincher didn't want to do that because he said putting an actor and movie star of her stature, he was uncomfortable with her just being a supporting part. Oh, I like I like that though. I like that he's like, no, she's too awesome. She needs better. Yeah, it's like, Fincher, I love you. <laughs> You're just the greatest. <laughs> um, it's good though because I was, think we also have to kind of forget about Christine a little bit. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. And so it's good to have her be somebody that we don't know. Because if Jodie Foster was in it, I'd be like, when's Jodie coming back? I got to see more Jodie. Right, right. Um, and Spike Jones was in it. Really? He was an airbag EMT Beltran. So oh, think- on the in the ambulance? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, interesting. I don't... I have... S- I kind of know what he looks like, but I don't really know what he looks like enough to be like, oh, that's Spike Jones. But I yeah. recognize the name and I was like, oh, interesting. Especially Spike Jones from like 23 years ago. <laughs> yeah, even more than yeah. that, 24. It's 97, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I'm not usually like, usually I find Michael Douglas's characters to be kind of detestable and unlikable and i don't care for him but this movie was kind of like romancing the stone for me in that i enjoyed his character and his performance so that was refreshing because i was afraid that i was i was afraid i wasn't gonna like him and the thing is everybody was intervening or the intervention they set up seemed like it should have been set up for any of his other movie characters Right. But not this character. So that's no, kind of I interesting know. because I was like, like, yeah, maybe like the guy in all the other movies that he's in where he's undesirable should have this intervention. But poor Nick in this movie, I didn't think he deserved that necessarily. No, I didn't think so either. Yeah. And I, I definitely, again, as I've said before, I thought it was weird 
that Conrad was like, yeah, well, you're turning into such an asshole. And I'm like, I'm like, Conrad, do you have like no like sense of like self, um, what's that word? Uh, awareness, self-awareness, like you have no <laughs> sense of self-awareness. He's like, wow, you're a real asshole. And I'm like, um, I've been sitting here watching this the entire time and I do not agree with you. Yeah. I don't think he, and I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I definitely think that it's, um, I, I don't know. I really like Michael Douglas and he, I think is like, is just, he's a very, he's very good at playing these kind of characters. And I think that it's, he, I think he's awesome. I really like him. So, you know, he replaced uh, Dennis Quaid as my movie father. So, you go to I extremes. Go? Have I gone <laughs> up in the world? I don't know. <laughs> um, um, but the I concept of a movie father fascinates me because it's not something that I've ever thought about before. But what does that, what does that mean? Just like okay, so like when I first saw Parent Trap, I was like, oh, I love this character i love i love dennis quaid's character and um i just loved his like that he's just like a, this cool dad type you know and then when i saw romancing the stone with michael douglas i loved his character and i just started watching more of his stuff so it was kind of like i don't so know you just you just like his performances and i just like his performances and you know and then i kept like and i had all these pictures saved of kathleen turner and him and I and Michael Douglas and I kept just going like mom and dad. That's mom and dad. And like and then it just kind of stuck. And I and I still kind of feel that way too because now I see Kathleen Turner and stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Kathleen Turner. And so I like, it's just it's very weird. Um, it's just I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. I think that other this isn't. I don't think it's like totally abnormal. I think it's you know. Um, I think other people have it. I just, that's my thing. Yeah. So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the reason I chose, I, I got, I let Dennis Quaid go as my movie father is that I'd seen a bunch of his movies and I couldn't remember that he was in those films. And so I went, he obviously didn't make that big of an impact on me. So I'm just going to go, nope. So I was like talking about I was like, I think I've only seen like two of his movies. And then I went through his like IMDb page and I'm like, so I've seen like 10 and I remember him being in two of those. So yeah, there I think you it's go. funny that when you vacate the movie father spot, you have to fill it in. <laughs> that, no, well, what happened? It, I didn't vacate it <laughs> until Michael Douglas came along. And then oh. I was like, oh, Michael Douglas oh. is great. And so then I was like, bye uh Dennis Quaid and so then yeah <laughs> then I was like hello Michael Douglas yeah it was a fun movie would you recommend it um yeah I would I I really have not seen a David Fincher film where I have not felt like I wanted to recommend it even Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and that's got some very graphic sexual assault scenes in it so um I mean, I read the book and I saw the Swedish film before I watched that, but yeah, no, I, I really like, I've seen, I think I've seen almost every David Fincher film out there, except for like, I think maybe two of them. So, 
um, I'm a huge fan. So yes, I would, I would definitely recommend this, this movie. And I really like Michael Douglas too. So I think that the cast is good. Um, I don't like Sean Penn, but you know, it's, he's not like, it doesn't ruin the movie, you know, because he's in it or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I'd recommend it. What about you? I think I would, I would recommend it. This is one of the first David Fincher movies that I didn't think was too long. Like it didn't feel too long to me. It felt like it was the right length, even mm. though it's two hours and 15 minutes. So that's <laughs> a pretty good sign. The movie, it moves along at a very yes. quick pace. Um, and I like David Fincher's movies, but I also, they're just they're like very, very long. And I don't, I don't think I'm as big of a fan of him as you are, but I appreciate his contribution to the film world Mm-hmm. And um, I liked this one a lot. I, I would recommend it. I, I'm, uh, it's unfortunate if you're hearing this and you haven't seen the movie, you already know like the twist, but I, it's still like a fun movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, go watch it on Netflix. Watch it before you re- listen to this. I mean, it's obviously too late now if you've already listened to the entire <laughs> episode, but, you know, we told you. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, my friends. So what can we say? No. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I like it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fun. Um, have you ever seen Mindhunter? No. I think you maybe, you might like that. I think it's very, I think it's very well done. That's also David Fincher. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and Jonathan Groff is in it. And I love him. I think he's fantastic. Like, every time I see him in anything, I'm like, I fucking love this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, right. he, and you know, and uh, that's where I first heard about Edmund Kemper. And then I wrote a paper about him. So, that was kind of fun. Um, you know. So, and this actor plays him. His name Cameron Britton. And he's he's adorable actually he's like really cute in real life so we are googleable now so if you wanted to just google us you could find us on any sort of podcasting website um i would assume we're we're all over the place anyway so uh that's news to me it's news to us we're very excited about that uh and if you want to follow us on instagram we're at watchers of movies we're on facebook at watchers of movies we also have another instagram that's the watchers who find things and i also have a tiktok where i like to talk about movies and you can follow me at save the phantom um just fun stuff or just i post whatever but anyway you know i kind of like to get out there so yeah if you like us uh give us five stars on itunes and if you want to us to recommend something to you and, and you want us to put it to the top of the list as i said give us five stars on itunes write down what you want to do or you want us to do and we will put it to the top of the list but if you want to us to review a movie and you for some reason don't want to you know put five stars on itunes whatever you can also email us at watchersandmovies at gmail.com and we also have watchersandmovies.weebly.com so check us out on our website and thank you to mike so much for our theme music yeah find mike on twitter at the mike show 42 thank you mike his name is mike myers yeah thanks mike and yeah i think that's it right i think so Woohoo, girl bye